This is Jennifer Papito with the Restoration Home Podcast. This is the show where we talk about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. Today, I'm talking to Emily Pepito in a new series on managing. There are so many aspects of our life in a restoration home that have to be managed. Let's face it, it's not that easy to implement a family rule. We can get excited, and like Emily and I talked about in the last episode, we can start to make wonderful plans and be ready to glorify God with our families. And then there's always the inevitable shame spiral, the moment where all of our best laid plans come to nothing. You get up in the morning and set up the school area and you make breakfast early and then your child pees the bed or somebody throws up or some series of events happen that cause you to live below your expectations of yourself. You yell at somebody, you yell at your husband, something happens that really makes you feel like you've failed or just changes the atmosphere of the home. And so we're going to talk today about some strategies for managing our emotions and trying to keep the atmosphere of the home joyful, even in the midst of stress and pressure. Thanks for joining me today, Emily. Thank you for having me. I'm really delighted to be on this conversation and quite excited about the topic. I think learning how to manage your emotions, how to communicate your needs to your husband and not your children, and how to sort of maintain a Christ-like peace across a difficult or challenging day is something that I'm actually really passionate about. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really thankful that you are willing to talk to me about it because you know firsthand how some of the poor ways of communicating that your dad and I had created extra stress in the homeschool. It just sucks so bad because as a mom, I wanted to create this beautiful atmosphere and, you know, make everybody feel peaceful and have it be so much fun with learning. But then we did do some things like living in a travel trailer with five children for six months in a uh, like in a park that created some extra pressure. And what happened then is I started, you know, complaining at my husband or just not communicating to him very well. And that started a cycle of him not communicating to me very well. And you've actually done a lot of research on ways to talk to your man that are a little bit more motivating or a little bit more life-giving. Tell me some of what you've learned, Emily. A couple of things I've learned. One of the biggest things I think for me was learning how to express your emotion in a vulnerable and uncontrolled way. And so a lot of times for myself and I, and I see a lot of women and, and John Gray, the author of Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus talks about this a bit too, where we go in and we're like, the dishes aren't done. The house isn't clean. The, the, this isn't done. And the, and the kids are really upset. And when are you going to do this? And why haven't you done that? And, and we express these, this sort of like anxious ridden needs, but really at the core of that so often is, um, we're, we're really saying, I, I feel really overwhelmed and I'm scared that I can't handle this. And, and whether our, our husband is doing enough or not, or if you're single, whether your community is coming alongside you enough or not, 
you still in that moment need comfort. And I think that's just kind of as a, as an overarching thing here, your emotions are not something that are shameful, that should be negated or like squashed down. It's all about how you manage them. And what I've learned is that you have to, you have to find the ability and take the time to learn to get in touch with your emotions. So you're like, okay, I'm really stressed right now. I'm consumed by thinking about, um, like there's been a couple of health emergencies recently in our family. And so like, I'm consumed about this health emergency and, and what is like, like for me, what is the real feeling that I'm feeling? And a lot of times like underneath the complaints or, or for me, I kind of like bottle up and get angry. I'm like, okay, there's, um, a feeling like everything's going to fall apart and I have to take care of it. So I'm going to communicate in that way that is really going to, going to a get me what I need, which sounds like kind of selfish, but basically going to a friend or going to your husband and being like, I, I am feeling really sad right now about this because it's just, this is not how I thought this year would go, or this is not how I thought this day would go. And I feel sad and I, and I feel angry and about like this thing. And, um, there's this really beautiful template I learned about, and it's basically, going to your partner and, and saying, okay, like, can you just listen to me for five minutes? And I think, and I'm, I'm kind of getting onto the track here of just communicating your emotions. Um, but going to your husband and saying, can you listen to me for five to 10 minutes? And if you are learning how to communicate in a more productive way, giving them a time frame for how long you're going to talk is actually going to sort of unfreeze them, especially if they maybe felt overwhelmed by their mom's, like if your husband felt overwhelmed by his mom's emotions in the past or had parents who were emotionally distant, he's not going to have a really good grasp on how to stay emotionally present for you when he feels like your emotions are going to become overwhelming or threatening or scary or just unfamiliar. So, so being like, I have, I want to talk for just 10 minutes about my day. And then something you're angry about. Like, I'm, I'm really angry that, you know, this, this friend didn't pull their weight in the co-op or I'm really angry that this friend canceled me last minute. And then because it makes me sad or, and I'm sad because this happens and, um, and I'm annoyed by this thing. I'm overwhelmed and I'm embarrassed and the, and you know, I'm embarrassed. Like a lot of times, and I know we've talked about this before, but a lot of times, our feelings of frustration or anger or even aggression towards someone can be embarrassment, trying to cover up an embarrassing thing that we think we did or, or feeling embarrassed about a way that we maybe felt like we were inadequate. Like if you show up and, you know, all the other moms look perfect and all their children's assignments are done and, and you show up, you might be a little more aggressive towards your husband or your children or even yourself when really like, I feel embarrassed. That's, that's the root emotion. I feel embarrassed that I wasn't at the same level and, and I feel afraid that I maybe don't have what it takes. And so basically communicating kind of in those four to five areas, one specific incident or, or poignant point of that emotion across the day, and then ending it with, um, one thing that you're happy or thankful about and, and sort of tying it off with that and be like, I'm, but I am, I'm really thankful. Like, you know, you know, my child, the you know, the little Johnny P on the party for the first time today. And it really, really makes me happy. And then end it with thanking your husband for listening. And a lot of times if you, if you can do this too, like being like, thank you so much for listening. 
Um, and then giving them a hug or giving them a kiss, just like some sort of like active physical intimacy it can be really, really brief. Um, and it just, it, it decompresses you because one of the things that I've been so fascinated by in terms of studying women and studying women through the lens of our hormones and, and just the really incredible uniqueness that we are in terms of hormonally and, and everything else is that we actually have to process our emotions. And, and the more out of touch we get with our emotions and the less proficient we are at managing them, the more hormonal issues you're going to have down the line, like, like high testosterone and reduced estrogen, low levels of progesterone, period issues. Um, that's when you start to get chronic fatigue, when you're unable to process and manage your emotions. So in terms of, of addressing a, a spouse and saying, here are my issues, basically four to five things that were negative that happened across the day. And you have to phrase them as I feel, or I felt, or this happened and my response was this, and then something that you're happy or thankful for, and then thanking them for listening. And it's really incredible how, how as a woman, it's often, often men and husbands are so eager to be there for us, but because we have only seen this pattern of communication that's, oh my gosh, this happened and this happened and so-and-so did this, and, and when are you going to fix that? And I'm really stressed about this. And it's this, it's just sort of like they become overwhelmed by it. And, and part of that is we're not really, we're not really connecting to the, to our hormones and letting them balance. And we're also not communicating in a way that equips them, um, to comfort us. Yeah. I love that because I think that we often don't understand how attacked our husbands feel when we complain you know, like you said, often something happens, like maybe our child misbehaves at school or, uh, you know, co-op, they show up at co-op and their assignment's not done. And then we get embarrassed. And in our embarrassment, we look for somebody to blame. And so then we're like, oh, you didn't help me or you this or you that. And those kinds of accusations make them feel so defeated and really unwilling then to help us, they get defensive. And so I think finding those ways to communicate our emotions to somebody that we love and who is supposed to be there for us without being aggressive or accusatory is so important if we want to have allies, you know, if we want to be on the same page with our husband and be working together as a family instead of being enemies with each other, which is so counterproductive. Because the problem is when we, feel this anxiety about our children or the future or whatever it might be. And then we kind of take it on our husband through complaining or accusation. Our children feel that discomfort. Talk a little bit about what it does to kids when they see their parents fighting, because you've seen that from your dad and I. Some people say that you have to have conflict in front of your children in order to teach them how to do conflict well. But I think the kind of argument where it's devolving into that state of um, sort of bitterness and there, and a little bit of resentment is just terrifying as a child because like your, your parents are your focal point of stability. And they are, until you can self-stabilize, until you can self-soothe, until you can um, manage your emotions and learn to distinguish between like 
true and false. When, as a small child, when your parents are fighting in front of you, you feel like your whole world is destabilized and you don't have a sense of, okay, mommy and daddy both have, you know, some, some issues from their past and they both had a really hard day at work and they're both really exhausted and some things that you don't know about are happening in the background. Um, and so that's why they're fighting. All you know is that the people on whom you rely are creating this atmosphere that's really painful to be around, quite scary. And you don't know if the world, like you feel like you can feel like the world's about to end. And I think it's, which is, which sounds quite dramatic and obviously it, it can vary child to child, but, but, but bottom line, you are sort of your child's anchor until they're an older age and they can't distinguish between like fighting that is just like, you know, the, the day, the circumstances and fighting that is like going to tear their world apart. And I think for children's sakes, being really willing to know how to walk away from a fight and be like, this isn't productive. And and this is where communication is just so huge. Like our conversation isn't really productive. I really love you. I'm excited to come to an agreement with you, but can we shelve this until a later time? And just walking away from a time because we, we get so sometimes hung up on these conversations or we feel like it's just, it has to be now or never. And as small children, you, you also don't have a sense of kind of was mentioning earlier, like you can't discern what's really going on behind the scenes. And so a lot of children are naturally going to internalize it. And they're going to be like, mom and dad aren't happy. And I must be the reason, like, it must be me. Like, it can't be like, they don't know about things in the background. They don't fully comprehend work. They only know the world is so small to them. It's them and it's you. And, and they can't distinguish between their capacity to influence the world because they haven't really like, they haven't really accessed say a sense of the other and a sense that there's other things happening and that they don't control the world. And so it's a very frightening place to be for a small developmental mind to have sort of ongoing bitter arguments because they are going to feel like it's their fault and their responsibility to fix it. Yeah. And in, it's interesting. I'm reading Scattered Minds by Gabor Mate right now. He co-wrote Hold On To Your Kids, which is one of my favorite parenting books. And in Scattered Minds, he talks about how his theory is that ADD is actually in part a result of parental conflict or high stress environments for young children. And, you know, this isn't to shame anybody or make you feel depressed if you have a child with ADD, but I just think that we underestimate how painful it is for children when parents have conflict. And obviously there is just a certain amount of conflict that is inevitable, but, you know, I talked in Mothering by the Book a lot about how so much of my and my husband's conflict actually tracked back to our childhood. He didn't feel like he could ever do good enough for his dad. And so he, if I did have a criticism for him or even some feedback, it often felt like he was flashing back to being a kid and having his dad be disappointed in something. And I felt unsafe a lot as a child and, and especially because I was molested. And so sometimes I just wanted him to help me feel safe. Like, did you do the maintenance on the cars. Well, I don't feel safe if you didn't, or did you, you know, whatever it might have been. And so I think it is so important, you know, read through Mothering by the Book, work through the study guide, 
It's available on motheringbythebook.com and really work on processing some of that childhood stuff. Grieve it, forgive your parents, ask Jesus to tell you the truth as opposed to listening to these lies. Because so often we get almost like I've, I've read about people who have porn addictions, how it creates a rut in their brain where their thinking pattern gets really stuck. And I think that is part of what is happening when we have conflict with our spouse is that we might have this stuck place in our mind, like, oh, my, my dad left me when I was a child, so my husband will probably leave me. And so I'm just going to be as abusive as I can to chase him away before he leaves me. And there's these things that these self-destructive behaviors that we engage in then based on trauma from childhood, but there is healing for that. Get, get with a therapist and work on that because it is so destructive to our children to the atmosphere of our home. So, you know, first, I think the first step, if you're dealing with some out of control emotions in your home, talk to somebody, ask Jesus to comfort some of those places in your childhood that were broken. But then also there is a place for just taking our thoughts captive and doing the right thing. You know, I've been listening to a podcast by this lady, Laura Doyle. And sometimes she almost reminds me actually of like, Debbie Pearl and her book created to be his helpmate. It was almost like this, oh, you just be happy and your husband will be happy. And sometimes that can be irritating to us as wives. Like we don't want to just be happy when we're living in a messy house that they won't fix anything. Or we don't want to just be happy when they're playing video games all day or whatever the issues are that are making you feel so upset. But I think there is an element of just beginning to find something to be thankful for and calling out what is good. You know, especially if you have a husband who's letting you stay home and homeschool the kids, you know, maybe you are having to work part-time or do some kind of online work, but having a husband who's letting you stay home with the kids right there, that's a huge deal. A lot of women do not have that luxury or, and I know sometimes it doesn't feel like luxury to be home with, you know, crazy kids who are, who are a handful but compared to so many women who just have no choice but to send their kids to public school and get a full-time job, it is a luxury. So, you know, maybe saying, hey, I'm so thankful that you let me stay home today or, you know, that I can stay home and homeschool my kids or I'm so thankful that you, you know, whatever, just find one little thing every day to say thank you for because I think just expressing a little bit of joy in front of our children, a little bit of thankfulness, a little bit of affection can start to really create a more peaceful and hopeful atmosphere for them. I 100% agree with that. And I love the way you put it. And I think on the subject of sometimes just choosing joy, I think one of the things that I wish more parents knew, especially moms who are home all day, um, is that your your children, and this is going to sound really bad, but your young children are not your friends. Um, and your young children are not the people who you should be attuning with, who you should be processing with, who you should be dealing with stuff with. Like if you are home with your kids all day and stuff is happening, um, we, we have to learn how to take every thought captive. We have to learn how to, to take what's happening around us and what's causing us stress and what we want to vent about and shelve it, like just shelve it. And it is, it's not easy. None of the stuff that is that we're talking about is easy per se, but I, I promise it's rewarding. And I think the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's 
so beautiful when you start to hit that sweet spot of like, wow, like what was hard is becoming easy and the fruit of it is so beautiful. But back to the point about um, not sharing with your children, it's like last night even, there were a couple, kind of a rough evening and I was just under a lot of stress with some projects and things and um, one of my siblings came home, like a younger sibling, and they'd been out and they walked in and I like wanted to unload on them. And it's a sibling, it's not a, a child, so there's a little, like I could have, but I was like, I was like, it's not the like practicing that I definitely don't do it as much as I would like to do it or perfectly, but just practicing that, that mindfulness of being present for the people you're with and being aware of, um, sort of the emotional connections that you're creating with people. And so not everybody is in our lives to be attuned and attached to, and that especially goes for your children. I'm really glad you brought that up, Emily, because I think that's a really natural mistake that we make as homeschool moms. For one thing, there is kind of this like romantic, I, you know, your kids can be your best friends. And and for sure, there's a lot of, I've had a lot of joy in homeschooling you guys and being with you and going on hikes with you. I mean, you are definitely some of my favorite people in the world, but for sure I was way off in some of the oversharing I did, especially with you as my oldest daughter and living in Mexico off grid. It was really, really a huge bummer and probably something that, you know, it's taken some time to work through that I shared with you things that I should have been sharing with a therapist or a friend or a sister. And obviously, you know, this is something that I've asked for your forgiveness before, but again, I'm so sorry for the heavy burden that put on you because you didn't deserve, you didn't need to be my therapist or standing in the place for me of trying to counsel an adult. What a terrible, heavy burden. I feel so sad about that. I love you, you so me? much. Of course I, I forgive you. you. It's so sweet of you to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just hope that moms are listening because I think this is very natural for us as moms. You know, the first time I realized this, we were at a marriage conference and they started talking about our emotional connections in our marriage. And this was back in, I think, 2015, and it was um, called Love After Marriage. And so I started talking about our emotional connections, and I realized at that point that I was far more emotionally connected in many ways to any of my children than my husband. And I mean, partly our children are just, it's just so easy to invest in these beautiful children that we've put so much effort into raising to get a lot of our joyous people from seeing our children thrive, being around them. It's just, they're so beautiful. You guys are so beautiful. And, but it's so out of balance. It's out of balance. You know, Autumn Young actually calls it incestuous, which is a very painful, it's a painful realization that the emotional support or the oversharing with my children or even the over-dependence on them was out of, out of, um, it wasn't, it wasn't appropriate, wasn't healthy. And I think that is just, it's a beautiful part of homeschooling that you will enjoy being around your kids a lot more than maybe if your kids are gone all day and you don't get to kind of be raising each other in a sense, but it's also something we need to be watching out for because we, we need to be dependent on God. We need to be in an emotionally healthy relationship with our spouse 
And our children are a blessing. Like we have this joy of raising them and there's so much uh, reward in a sense that comes from that. But we also need to realize that we are raising them to release them, not to keep them by our side forever or not to have them be our best friends forever. Not that you, you know, I know Sally Clarkson talks a lot about friendship with her adult kids and what a joy that is. And I, I, I do get so much joy in being with you adult children of mine, but also we just, you know, as moms, we have to realize that we need to be cultivating other relationships because our kids are God willing going to find their own spouse and have their own family someday. And if they're our only friends or they're our best friends and we haven't cultivated other friendships, we're actually not going to be setting ourselves up to have a very good support system later on. I, yeah, I, I love how you put that. And I am really thankful for our friendship. I think being able to be friends with you and dad is one of the like great joys of my life. And I love being able to have conversations and go on adventures. And it really is amazing. And I'm thankful that like, despite early things that have happened, there's been so much redemption and restoration. And I really appreciate you and dad's willingness to just continue doing what it takes to build um, community and to restore relationships. And it's been amazing. And I just wanted to say one more thing about this to put in context, your small child, so your eight-year-old, your nine-year-old, your 10-year-old, when you inadvertently start pouring out on them your stresses, they have no choice but to help you because you are you are there. You are, like I said, you are their stability. You are their, the roof over their head. And so if they start realizing that you are turning to them to have your needs met, they're not going to see it as a, oh, this person's really awesome and, and they're kind of in a hard time. So I'm going to help meet their needs. The only way a child can interpret it is this person has this needs, these needs, and in order for me to be safe and in order for me to be taken care of, I must meet these needs. And so you are, you are, it is just so heartbreaking when we do it because it's turning a really small, innocent child into a kind of a captive audience and, and creating a really quid pro quo around emotions, around relationship um, around stability, around attunement. And I know that for none of you, is that what you want? Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad we talked about this. It reminds me of the Jesus Revolution movie. I love that movie. It was so beautiful. But the in the movie, Greg Laurie is depicted as a young boy and his mom's an alcoholic. And she's got this terrible emotional dependency on him and is trying to look to him to fulfill her emotional needs and, and it causes a lot of pain for him. And that's a really good picture of what this looks like. Because I think so many of us, we don't even realize, like we're just going about our day and, and it just so happens these people are there. And so we're like, oh, this is so terrible. And and it's not wrong to have emotions in front of our kids. Like I don't want to give people the wrong impression that they just have to be like Stepford mothers or something and not have any emotions. I think it's just that we start to learn to prioritize who we share the big things with, you know, I have said this before and I quoted it in my book, Alfred the Great. Alfred the Great said, if thou hast a fearful thought, share it not with a weakling, whisper it to thy saddle bow and ride forth singing. And this is really what our kids need to see is us singing, us praising the Lord. Yeah, sure. Cry if you need to cry, but, but 
tell you, explain to your children, like, I'm feeling sad about this thing, but I'm going to talk to God about it and we're going to be okay. Or this thing is going on, but I'm praying about it. And I know that God will come through for us. Like the way that we talk to our children needs to be a little bit different than the way we talk to a therapist or a best friend or the Lord. And it needs to be, you know, I love Kim John Payne puts it this way. He says, uh, it's one of the components of simplicity parenting. And that is filtering out the adult world. You know, our children are our children. We're called to nurture them, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We are called to not provoke them to wrath, which, you know, imbalanced parenting and uh, an unhealthy emotional dependence can do that. So if you have questions about this episode, we've actually tackled some really deep things. I would recommend listening to the Adam Young podcast, The Place We Find Ourselves. And maybe, Emily, you could link the show notes, the podcast where it says the like six needs, the attachment needs of children. I think it's one of the early, early episodes. And then also don't forget to enter our design contest, our sacred home design contest. We're going to link that again in the show note. Basically, if you grab that Canva template for the sacred home, uh, kind of a template for creating your own family rule and have a go at designing that family rule. The link is going to be in my book that's coming out next May habits for a sacred home. And so your design might be the one that's included in my book and that is shared in our Facebook group. We'll be voting on it. And one of you will win a year to the peaceful loop and shop credit at the peaceful press shop. Thanks for joining today. 